right. Good morning, Dorisville. You glad to be here today? And we are glad to have our friends on Facebook and on 102.3 on the FM and our friends in the North parking lot outside the building. We are glad all of us in different ways have gathered together to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's good to have you back. As you know, the last couple of weeks, it was me, Judy, and a couple of folks on the soundboard. And it's just a little bit more fun looking at faces. So we are glad that you are here today. Now, have you ever had that strange thought that God just might want to do something today? Well, I'm starting to think that because weird things are going on, okay? First off, as you notice, we're a little skinnier today uh, because we're getting back and, well, you know about the COVID thing, how that is. But then, but then, G comes up to me and says, Dwayne, the worship event is not working. And so I ran back to my office, and I thought maybe I forgot to post it long enough. No, Judy, it wasn't. It's their website. But I think it's up now. So go ahead and get your event at your your electronic device. Go down to the bottom right corner. Go to events. Click on that. And you should find all the scriptures um, that we need for today. Now, that's important, by the way. Um, we, had a, we had a friend that was here Wednesday night, uh, Andrea Rector. And uh, she's not an electronics person. And so she goes after church. She goes, do you know how many scriptures you use? I said, well, I don't know, 15, 20. I don't know. It's a bunch. I figured we all let God talk a whole lot and me talk less. Amen? That's why I kind of figure it. But anyway, she goes, oh, my. I said, well, let's use the worship event. She goes, I am not an electronic, electronic person. So if you can use the worship event, it will probably be profitable to you. But in case you can't, I got a suggestion. Keep in mind that if everything goes according to plan, the scriptures will be on the screen. So you might want to write down the references. Okay? And that way you can read them during the message, live as we go, and then you can have the, the uh, references for later on to look them up in your in your Bible if you want to do that. So anyway, so that was one thing that was kind of weird, and then you saw me over and have a little, little talk with Jesus over here with, with, with Brother David, and uh, he said, hey, we have a problem. I said, really? You know? And, and so the soundboard's frozen. And so he says, you have two choices. We can reboot the soundboard while you're preaching, and hopefully it'll go okay, or you can use my mind. I chose his mic. I said, let's go for a sure thing. So anyway, so surely with all this going on, Satan has tried to rear his ugly head. But guess, guess who's greater? The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen? That's exactly right. So, so hey, we don't know what God is going to do. I do know this. This is such a gospel-centric message today. It's all about salvation. And for some of you, that's going to be like, yeah, you know, especially if you, you know, here at the building, maybe on Facebook. You know, yeah, we know that story, but I just hope it will refresh your heart as we talk about it today and perhaps in a little bit different way. Um, and so, so we got that. We're glad about that. So maybe God wants to see someone come into the kingdom today. So if you're listening today on Facebook or on the radio or here in the building even, and you've never made that commitment to Jesus Christ, well, today just might be your day. Well, if I remember correctly, this is message four in our series, Beautiful Day, Love Thy Neighborhood. And today, as you can see, we're going to talk about Happy Birthday Neighbor, okay? This sermon had another title. This one's a lot better. And it's so funny how God does this sometimes. He takes a sermon in a different way. Kind of like, remember the children of Israel? You know, there was a short path they could take, and God didn't take them that way. He took them a long way. Well, sometimes God does that in the message. You know, same message, but he takes it around a different way. And I'm really excited to preach this today because I like birthdays. I like birthdays. In fact, there are three things, three days in the in the year that I like a lot. One is January 6th. Write that down on your calendar. January 6th, that's my birthday. Okay? And uh, keep in mind, I do like presents. Okay? So keep, that's what it's all about, by the way. So then, excuse me, I've got to call a second. Here we go. Here we 
Yep. All right. So then, then we have Father's Day, the third Sunday in June. The third Sunday in June. And, you know, that's when the dads are supposed to get presents. Okay, so that's a good thing. And, of course, then there's Christmas. I mean, Christmas, you know, you know, Jesus is the ultimate gift. But let's just be honest. We like getting gifts. So three times a year, I really, really like this deal. But today we want to talk about birthdays. And I've had some incredible birthdays. I've had, I've had 66 of them come up on number 67. But I've had some pretty incredible birthdays before. And, and one of them was when I turned 30. You know, Judy has always done this incredible job of giving me great birthday deals and parties and stuff. Um, I wish I had time to tell you all about my 30th birthday, but I don't. But remind me sometime when we're sitting around talking, and I'll show you one of the coolest stories about my 30th birthday. It was really funny. But what happened on my 30th birthday was, unknown to me, Judy went down to one of the local furniture stores, and these were days when I was making about $12,000 a year. So it was pretty skinny time. I just got out, I was just in the process of getting out of the Air Force, and it was just pretty lean time. But anyway, so she went down to the furniture store in Sedalia, Missouri, and bought me this beautiful oak desk. I was brand new in the pastorate, didn't have a desk, and so she thought that would be memorable to do. So she did. She had to borrow, I don't mind telling you, had to borrow the money, had to put on financing there at the furniture store. It was so thoughtful of her. And then, let's see, Rebecca would have been three years old, and Jennifer would have been about 18 months, okay? We hadn't quite figured out what calls babies yet, so we had them real close together. All right? And so, that was supposed to be funny. You're supposed to line up. Come on, laugh a little bit. Okay? But anyway, and so so here we go. She goes, I'm going to take you to the furniture store, and, and you need to find your presents. And so we walk in, and the salesman knew all about it and greeted us, you know, how you doing? Somewhere in the store, he said, is your birthday present. Okay? And so about that time, little Rebecca, three years old, spoke up and said, over here, Dad! And so, you know, we go right there, and there's this beautiful oak desk, and it had a lamp with it, and bookends. It was very, very special. And you know, I felt, I felt so loved. I felt so loved. And she's done that, by the way. She does that very, very well. She expresses her love very well. So anyway, so then, 30 years later, okay, on my 60th birthday, um, y'all had a surprise birthday party for me. And the guy, the guy behind it was this guy. It was Brent Holloway. It was his gig. I mean, he just took it upon himself and did it. I mean, you know, we had signed several businesses across the, the town, had happy birthday, Brother Dwayne, or some mean comment about turning 60. Um, Brent had special signs made up um, that, you know, said made rude comments about 60. Some of them were in my yard. Some was in the churchyard. Some of them were in businesses around town. It was just incredible. And then, I don't know if you remember, if you were here that day, and uh, when would that be, 2014? Yeah, 2014. Um, you know, there's this gigantic cake that Jeremy Bennett had made, and I didn't even know it was there. I was still looking this way. And Jeremy brought this cake down, and we were talking a little longer than we should have, and the cake was melting. It wasn't ice cream. It just had so many candles on it. And so, so, so the, yeah, the cake was literally melting that day. And here's the deal. I, I know. I know. You, if you know the heart of Brent Holloway, you know he's got a great heart. So I never doubted his love for me. But that day... And it's because of all the effort he made to celebrate my birthday. And I remember going home and telling Judy, you know what? That man loves me. And thank you, honey, for that. And he loves me more, I think, now. And I know I love you so much. So much. So, you know, that's not about Brent. I'm just trying to tell you that parties, parties are a way to say I love you. Parties are a way to say I love you. And so along comes God, okay? And God, 
as being master of everything is the master party thrower. Okay? So, so we talk about good, happy birthday neighbor as a way to celebrate our love in our neighborhood. But I want to spend our entire, entire time together talking about how God loves us and how he, now listen, how he celebrates your birthday. Not what you think. Not what you think. Not what you think. Now, of course, we're going to go to John chapter 3 this morning and look at the first seven verses. It's really kind of cool how this lays out. So we're going to look at a guy named Nicodemus today. You know that story quite well, okay? Um, then we're going to look at what it means to be born again. That's the gospel message, strong and clear, I pray and hope, all right? But then, then we're going to go one step further and think about this. What gifts does God give us? He gives us gifts. What gifts does he give us? And then, and then I want to end up at the end. Um, and by the way, this was 44 minutes Wednesday night, so with any kind of luck at all, we'll be close to that. Okay? Um, and then at the end, we're going to talk about gift etiquette. Okay? H- how do you properly use the gifts that God gives you? I think it would be a good message for us. So if you've got your worship event out, you can take notes there. Uh, you might want to get your pen and pencil out. Just write a few notes down that God might touch and stir your heart. Okay? So in John chapter 3... In verse number 1, we had, again, a very familiar scripture, okay? In John chapter 3, verse 1, there was a man named Nicodemus. And we learned two things about Nicodemus in this verse. The Bible tells us that he was, one, a Jewish religious leader, okay? Now, what's interesting is, in verse 10, all right, Jesus makes a distinction. He, he could say that Nicodemus was a teacher of the Jews, He doesn't say that. He says in verse 10 that he was the teacher of the Jews. So the implication is that Nicodemus was a man of high rank. He was not only a teacher of the Jews, he perhaps was the department chair, if you will, of teaching all things religious, okay? So he is a leader, a Jewish religious leader, the teacher, if you will, who was a Pharisee. Now you know about Pharisees. Pharisees made it a point to follow the law to the strictest measure, okay? That was their gig. That was their thing. You know, people, Christians today, believers today, all religions had their gigs. Well, well, Nicodemus' gig was, as a Pharisee, was to make sure he followed the law to the nth degree, okay? Now, here's one thing you need to know about Nicodemus. Well, he had, he had a lot. He had prestige, he had power, he had a reputation, um, he had a certain kind of character in the temple. Um, he would walk down the street, people would oh, look, there goes Nicodemus, he's the teacher of the Jews. He had all that going, but listen, he was missing the most important thing. And that was a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, you can have it all. You can have lots of money. You can have lots of titles. You can have lots of degrees. You can have a big house and a big car and a big home, all that stuff. But if you don't have Jesus, you're missing the most important thing. And Nicodemus and the other Pharisees, most of them, were missing the main thing. Well, let's see what happened. So in verse number 2, the Bible says, After dark one evening, and there's all this speculation. I think, really, this translation does a good job of dispelling that. But there's a lot of speculation that Jesus, uh, excuse me, Nicodemus came to Jesus at night because he was afraid. He was afraid what his buds would say. You know, the guys back at the temple, all right? But but notice what it says. It's very clear in the NLT. You know, after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. And here's what he says. Rabbi, he said, we all know. 
Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, whoa. So, so he could be speaking globally. He could be saying, and, and perhaps, okay, he could be saying, you know, all the people. I mean, the reputation is, the word on the street is this about you. But many good scholars believe he's speaking more directly. We, a lot of scholars believe that, that Nicodemus is representing the guys back at the temple. You know, they needed a front man to go to Jesus and confront him. Okay? They need someone to go see this guy and challenge him, ask him questions, direct questions. All right? And so that's probably it. But he says, we all know, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. And that's quite a statement for a teacher of the Jews. Your miraculous signs, Nicodemus said, are evidence that God is with you. Now listen, they didn't like the miraculous signs. You know why? They didn't have any. I mean, you went, you went to church, you, you went to the first Jewish church of Jerusalem, and these guys were your Sunday school teachers, and these guys were the ones who brought the message. All you got was law, 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 law. Do, 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 do. And by the way, you'll never measure up anyway. That's all you got. Okay? Along comes Jesus, and he loves you. Along comes Jesus. He cares for you. I mean, if you had leprosy, he wasn't afraid to touch you. Uh, if, if you were a prostitute, he was stopping to talk to you. And then, and then he could open blind eyes to boot. He could open deaf ears to boot. He could even raise dead people and bring them back to life to boot. They didn't like that because it sure threw cold water on their deal. They didn't like it, but they couldn't. It was obvious that Jesus had something going on. So, now this is where I think, again, I just wish we could put ourselves there and watch the facial expressions, the experience, the emotion, the eye contact, the body language, okay? Look at verse number three. So Jesus replied. You know, I'm sure Nicodemus said, well, thank you, Nicodemus. We really appreciate that. I want you to know I appreciate that personally, uh, that you value my teaching and all that. <laughs> That's not what Jesus does at all. He, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, just for a moment, try to get a hold of that. Try to understand, here's this super intelligent uh, teacher of the law, you know, Pharisee, and Jesus responds with, well, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. And let me just tell you, I don't know, obviously, so this is Dwayne talking, but it would seem to me there would be one of those uncomfortable pauses. Have you ever have you ever had a girlfriend or a boyfriend, and you decide to be the one, and you're the one in the relationship who finally says, I, "I can see Joe doing this." Joe, I bet you did this with Maggie. You're the one who looked Maggie in the eye and said, "I love you." Mm-hmm. And then Maggie just sort of stood there. You remember, have you ever had those uncomfortable pauses? Okay, well, I just got a feeling that's exactly what happened with Nicodemus. I think, you know, you know Jesus said these words, you've got to be born again in silence and pause. So, so we're going to leave Nicodemus over here thinking about that, okay? And we're going to make a point. What is this born again thing anyway? Why, why do we have to be born again? Well, the bottom line is we all got it wrong the first time. Every human being was born wrong. We got it wrong, so that disqualified us from heaven. So the only hope that we had then is this thing called being born again or the second birth. 
Some people think, I, every once in a while people say this, you know, Dwayne, I know I've messed my life up. I'm going to start coming to church. Well, that's fine. That's awesome. You know, or, or you know, I'm, I need religion. Boy, trust me, you don't need religion, okay? That's the last thing you need is religion. Okay, but, but, but you know, there are different ways. Imagine this. Imagine you're building a house, okay, or, or you're working on your house. And so the first thing, you know, perhaps you say, Dwayne, uh, what we need to do is redecorate. You know, your wife comes home, you come home from work one day, and your wife is there, and she's just standing looking at the bathroom. And she says, you know, I just need to redecorate this bathroom. And that's not too bad, because that usually means a new shower curtain, some new towels perhaps, you know, maybe a new trash can or toilet paper holder, you know, something like that. Not, not, not too bad. Well, trust me, as a lost person, as a person separated from God, okay, you don't need to redecorate. You don't need to buy a few things for your life and make it look and smell better, okay? Nor, nor do you need to remodel. Remodel's a step deeper. Then, then she's looking at the bathroom, and she goes, well, you know, we probably need a new sink, okay? Or, or maybe, maybe perhaps, you know, a, a new bathtub in there. You know, get, get rebath, come out, you know, and do your bathtub thing. Okay, well, trust me on this. If you're separated from God today and, and you are lost, the last thing you need is to remodel your life. You don't need a remodel on your life. Or, or then, then you might say, well, perhaps we need a renovation. And that's where you don't stop it. You know, you put the new, new sink in. You put the new tub in. And you get, you know, new paint on the wall, new tile, perhaps a new shower. And then you step out the door and you realize there are other things that need to be fixed. Well, let me just tell you this. The last thing you need as a person separated from God is a renovation of your life. That's where I'm going to start going to church. I'm going to start doing this. The last thing you need is renovation. Now, I can't find a better word, but this conveys it. We don't need a re redecoration, remodel, renovation. We need a rebuild. A rebuild says this. I'm taking it down to the slab. Then I'm going to pull the slab up till there's nothing but dirt and build it again. Build it again. And listen, that's what we need with God. We are so messed up. We are so broken we need a rebuild. We need to ask God to tear down what we've tried to build in our lives. We need God to take away the slab because we had the wrong foundation. And we need to ask God to totally rebuild our lives. And that's what Jesus is saying. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, Nicodemus is still standing here thinking, so we should probably bring him back into the conversation. Amen? So, so Nicodemus finally speaks up, and again, I wish I could see his inflection of his voice and see his expression on his face. What do you mean, he says? What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man, and let me help Nicodemus out here, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb? I'll go further. How can a young man... Go back into his mother's womb. I'll go further. How can a teenager go back into his mother? How can anybody go back into her mother, their mother's womb? How can this be and be born again? How is it possible that we can do this? Well, Jesus said, Jesus replied, Well, I assure you, I assure you, assure you that I'm just he's got his smiling when he says this. See, we, we wrestle with that no. We think Jesus walked around stern face all the time. Come on. I just see him smiling. <laughs> I mean, you know, Nick Neeson exclaiming, how can an old man climb back in his mother's womb? And Jesus is just shaking his head, and he's smiling, and he says, you know, I assure you, I assure listen, that no one, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Two births. 
two verses. Now, please don't make the mistake of trying to drag baptism into that. Because if Jesus was talking about baptism, which he clearly was not, if Jesus was talking about baptism, he said you need to be born of spirit and then water. You know, spirit would come first, baptism second. No, no, no. He's talking about the common fact. You know, we are born in, in this world with water. A, a woman has water in her womb. And so, so we are bad, born in a bag of water. So he's saying you need to be physically born first. You've got to have birth number one, which is physical, but you can't, listen, 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 you can't stop there. You've got to have a spiritual birth also. A spiritual birth. It's simple. It's simple. Dwayne, you need to have a physical birth, and you need to have a spiritual birth. You know, someone said this. It wasn't me, but someone said this. See, if you're born once, if you're born just physically, you have to die twice. That is, that is, if you're born once, you're going to die physically, and you will die spiritually. Actually, you're spiritually dead, but you die forever dead. So if you're born once, you die twice. But here's what's incredible. If you're born twice, you die once. If you're born twice, if you're born physically, and if you're born spiritually, okay, then you only have to die once, and that's physically. And by the way, be a rapture, you may get out of that one. You may get out of that one. So, so Jesus is saying, you got to have two births here, Nicodemus. You got it wrong the first time. You need a second shot. You need a second birth. Now, he lays it out real clearly in verse number 6. Humans can reproduce only human life. That's what they do. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. You know, the NIV says it really well uh, and reads verse number 6 like this. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. So don't be surprised. Don't be amazed, Nicodemus, when I tell you, when I say to you, you must be born again. Sorry, I'm asking you here today in this room, maybe on Facebook Live or listening on the radio, how many times have you been born? How many times have you been born? Have you been born once? Then God invites you to let you be born twice. And if you've been born twice, what a celebration your life should be. Amen? Amen? It really should be. Now, the Bible says, you know, it's got a lot to say about this being born thing. So you might be asking, well, how does that happen? Now, there's not a magic formula. There's not, you know, there's not magic words. But the Bible speaks about how do you be born again. And one way to understand it is the ABCs of the gospel. Okay? It's real simple. And again, there's no set format. But this really explains it pretty well. The first thing is, of course, A. Okay? And you've got to admit to God you've sinned. You've got to admit to God that you have sinned. So the Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all of us, how many? Now, don't miss that. Okay? All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The glory of God, bring it down to better language, you know, the glory of God is God's standard of perfection. See, to go to heaven, you can't be 80% good. You can't be 90% good. You can't even be 99.9% good. To go to heaven, you've got to be perfect. That's why we need the second birth. Because there's nobody that had the first birth that got that. Amen? We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Um, let me illustrate this way. The Dead Sea, okay, is the um, lowest point on earth. You can, go anywhere, you can go anywhere you want. It's the lowest point, okay? Mount Everest, of course, is the highest point on earth. Okay, so 
Let's say all the bad people. Somebody say all the bad people. I mean, all those people that you go, I am so much better than them. Okay? All right. So all the bad people, let's say they live at Dead Sea, the lowest point on earth. Let's say all us perfect people, you know, all of them are bad, just, you know. Um, just kidding. Okay? And so all the good people live on Mount Everest. Let's pretend that, okay? Now, let me ask you a question. Lowest point on earth, all the bad people. Highest point on earth, Mount, Mount Everest. Which one of them can touch the stars? Which one of them can touch the stars? Neither one. Neither one. So if you count yourself as living by the Dead Sea, I am so bad, I'm so bad, I'm so bad, well, guess what? You can't make it happen the way you are. But let's say you're one of those ones, oh, I'm a good person. I, I give money away. I do all the things that are right. Guess what? You still can't make it to heaven. Because God's standard is perfection, and we ain't got it. But, but I'm going to tell you just a moment why it's all possible, why it's all possible, okay? So, so we got to admit to God that we have sinned. Secondly, we got to believe that Jesus died for us and is willing to forgive our sins. We got to believe that Jesus died for us and is willing to forgive our sins. Now, I love Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8 where it says, now I'm going to read the King James because that's what's in my head, okay, and my heart. But God demonstrated, but God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I love this. I love this. Because here's the deal. You know, God didn't say, Dwayne, I tell you what, go to a couple self-help programs, and maybe, just maybe, you'll get it good enough, and we'll talk. We'll talk. You know, or God didn't say, Dwayne, if you'll stop this habit or stop that habit, then we can talk later on about this heaven thing. You know what's cool? Is that as broken and messed up as every human being is that when Jesus Christ went to this cross, he died and paid the price for our sins. Isn't that amazing? It's simply a wonderful fact. God demonstrated his love, not by writing us a note, okay? Do you like me, love me, mark yes or no, okay? He showed his love by allowing his son, sending his son, Jesus Christ, to a Roman cross to bleed and to die for our sins. And this is what's so cool. You know, again, one of those verses that's just incredible in the Bible is 2 Corinthians 5.21. Here, here's what it says. Here's what it says. But he, and that's God, but he made him Jesus. So God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. So, so here's how it works. Here's how it works. You know, we do a little, when we, when we have a birthday party with, with Jesus, we're having a little bit, okay, of a swap meet. So, so when, we, when we get saved, Jesus says, here's the deal. Give me all your sin and crud, and I'm going to give you my righteousness. Remember? I said, or, yeah, hello. Listen, remember you, I said, in order to go to heaven, you've got to be perfect. It's not your perfection. It's the perfection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And one day, on, oh, amen, one day on the, on the playground at recess, he said, Dwayne, if, if you want me to, I will forgive your sins. And in exchange, I'm going to take your sin and I'm going to give you my righteousness. It doesn't get any better than that. Believe that he died for your sins. But also, also believe that God rose him, raised him from the dead. That's what it says in Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, 
You will be saved. You will be forgiven. How amazing is that? And that leads us to the C. And I always put a C squared on it because it's confession and commitment. Confession and commitment. Acts chapter 3, verse 19 says this. Therefore, repent. We're going to talk about that again in just a moment. Therefore, repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out. we got to be willing to confess our repentance, our turning away from our sin and choosing to follow God. It's a, it's a definite decision in our lives. It's a point of decision in our lives. We turn away from our sin and we choose to turn to God. That is so, so important. But also, he goes one step further and says we've got to commit. And that's the important thing. You know, I think sometimes people go, okay, I'll just say this little prayer, and then I'll, you know, I'm saved, so I'll go live like I want to. You won't find that anywhere in the Bible. Nowhere will you find that. Here's what you do find. In Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says to his disciples, if anyone wants to come with me. In other words, if you want to follow me. Remember, you're turning from your sin, and you're choosing to follow If you want to follow me, he's got to deny himself. You've got to be willing to take up the cross, and you've got to be willing to follow. If you want to do that, denial, take up the cross, and then follow me. And that's what it means to be born again. That's what it means to be born again. It's not going to Saint school six times in a row. Okay, It's not stopping or starting any habits that you've got. It's putting your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and believing what he did. So now... I want to go over, okay, what happened on our birthday, okay? If you are here today, if you're listening on Facebook or you're listening on the radio, and one day you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, okay, I want to tell you what happened on your second birthday. Not chronologically your second birthday, but your Jesus said you've got to be born again second birthday. Okay, would that sound like fun? I think it would be. Now, I want to go back, just so you know I'm not getting old. I'm getting old. But not that old, okay? Not yet anyway. But I want to go back to a verse we used last week. Actually, two verses we used last week, okay? The first is Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And again, we're going to take from just a little bit different approach, all right? And then we're going to go down to what happens when in heaven when we're saved, all right? Here's Acts chapter 2, verse 38. So remember this? Peter's preaching at day of Pentecost, okay? And they said, what must we do, Peter? What, what, what? They were pierced heart. What do we need to do? And here's what Peter said. Each of you, here it is, here's that word again, must repent. Why don't we hear more about this? Why is it we, we don't talk about repentance? I mean, it's essential to salvation, okay? So each one of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. That's simple. That's the ABCs. All that and those few words wraps up the ABCs. We've got to be willing to turn from our sin, believing that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that we ask him to, he'll forgive our sins, and then we choose to follow Jesus. Okay? So Peter is saying, you've got to be born again. You've got to follow the gospel. You've got to follow the gospel. It's not a matter of church or baptism. I wish we had time to go back over what that baptism part says. We do not have time. Okay? But again, we can talk about another time we talked about last week. Okay? But then, but then, here's what happened. When we're born again, when the ABC thing happens, we're born again in our life, guess what God does? God throws a birthday party. I love this. God throws a birthday I was sitting here, we were worshiping, and just thought, you know, you know of all the things, you know, God, God loves to do things. I mean, there's certain things, there's certain things that God loves to do. Guess what near the top of this list is? 
He loves to throw birthday parties. Oh, I've got scriptural proof. Look, look at this. Again, we covered it last week. Luke chapter 15, verse 10. Again, you, you know the background. The woman had lost a coin. And it was her wedding band or dowry. She had lost it. And she sweeped the house and sweeped the house and sweeped the house. She finally found it. And then she calls all her friends in. Come celebrate with me. I've lost this coin. And now i found it. Here's what Jesus says. I tell you, in the same way, just like the woman had a party when she found her coin, okay, in the same way, there is joy, there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. That's so incredible. So when you got saved, when you asked Jesus to come in your heart authentically and there's a change in your life, the first thing God did for you was throw you a birthday party. I think that's incredible. I think that's incredible. Now, you didn't get to attend, but like I told him Wednesday night, you'll get to watch the video in heaven. Okay? You'll get to see the party that happened on your behalf up in heaven. And every time someone's saved, it doesn't have to be 300. You know, it doesn't have to be a certain, certain race or a certain economic status. Every time, every time, African, European, you know, American, it doesn't matter. Every time someone's saved, there's rejoicing. Woo, 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 woo. There's rejoicing in heaven over that soul that was born again. God says, time to party, time to party, time to party. Heaven is just one big party going on. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? awesome. It's incredible. And the, you know the best part? It's biblical. It's true. It's true. Okay, okay, okay. So, so, so we get there, okay? So we're at the party. I don't know if there's cake or ice cream or not. There's a party. Okay, then God says, time to hand out the gifts. You know, you do that. Some, I, I've gone to my, my, my grandchildren's, you know, and they, they do the ice cream and cake usually and stuff. And at the end of somewhere they'll go, okay, okay, it's time to open the presents. It's time to open the presents. Oh, yeah, we want to open the presents. Well, well, God says, I got some gifts for you, okay, and it's time to open the presents, okay? Now, God's got two big gifts. You know, this will be, you know, your mom and daddy always buys the nicest, should buy the nicest gift for the kid, okay? If, if the neighbor four miles away gets a bigger gift than you gave your kid, you need to work on Okay, so mom and dad gets the biggest gift. Okay, so the father gives two big gifts. Okay, now go back up to Acts 2.38. Okay, look at that last part. Then, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the first gift he gives you is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Every person receives the Holy Spirit. Every person who is born again receives the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he's your counselor. He's your guide. He's your helper. He, remember, remember when Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you? Guess why? Because he sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the parakletos, one the same kind. So Jesus knew he was going to physically leave, so he sends the Holy Spirit to live within us. So God says, I got this great gift for you. And that gift is the Holy Spirit. And he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll always be there for you. But almost simultaneously, and probably simultaneously, He not only gives us the Holy Spirit, He gives us eternal life. Remember the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the gift of God, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So He gives us eternal life, okay? That means, that means die once. That means this, I'm going to die physically unless the rapture happens, but, but Dwayne Taylor 
Dwayne Taylor is going to live forever. Forever. I ain't, I ain't going to get through this, so it don't matter. There's this great story. I wrote it in one of my stories. I don't know if you all read those or not, but I wrote it in one of my stories. And there was a T.W. Henson. Judy knows the name better than me. But I was reading this devotion this day, and the, and the guy, I mean, I told this to you guys. And he got really bad news, okay? And he was going to die. Nothing they could do about it. So he goes out. He's contemplating life, eternity, and death. And so he looks and says, you know, hey, mountain, long after you are thrown into the sea, I will still be alive. Hey, hey, river, river, when you stop flowing, I will still be alive. And when you are born again, God gives you the gift of eternal life. 10,000 billion zillion years from today, if you trust Jesus Christ, you will still be living. I'm telling you what's incredible. It's just incredible. So, so we have this gift of eternal life, and then for this life and eternity, we've got the Holy Spirit. It's just incredible. But see, hey, that's what's crazy. He doesn't even stop there. He doesn't stop there, okay? He, he gives us more. And he says in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 6, the, uh, the first part, he says this. In his grace, somebody say grace. In his grace, in his generosity, okay, um, God gives different gifts, gives us different gifts, for doing certain things well. So, so we get the big presence, we get eternal life, and then we get the Holy Spirit, but then God says, I got something else for you. I got something else for you. I want to give you another gift. Another gift. And it's a gift that we can do certain things well. Now this is this gift is this gift is to us, but not for us. God gives the gift to us. But it's for his honor and glory. Now, if you can preach or you can sing or you can teach or you love to serve others, whatever it is, that gift is not for you. It's to bring, amen, it's to bring glory to God Almighty. Boy, church, don't forget that. All right? Don't forget that. When God gives you the gift, it's for his glory. He simply gave it to you. I love this. I love this Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. When, when he has my birthday party and I'm born again, we, he creates a masterpiece. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Wow and amen. Wow and amen. It's just an incredible, incredible thing. Now, here's the deal. God doesn't give bad gifts. Jackie, God doesn't give bad gifts. Okay? Now, all of us at one time or another have received bad gifts. It may have been a Christmas present, it may have been a birthday present, or something else. And we got a gift and we're going, what were they thinking? You know? What were they thinking? Okay? God doesn't give bad gifts. Say that with me. God doesn't give bad gifts. James chapter 1 verse 17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift. So the gift that God has for you is a good gift, and it's a perfect gift. Okay? He doesn't give bad gifts. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It's from the Father. Coming down from the Father of light, of whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So mark it down. Okay? You remember this. God doesn't give bad gifts. He gives good gifts. So you might say this. Well, why did I get, Charlie, why did I get what I got? Why did I get what I got? I don't understand. 
okay? Because, you know, you're going, you know, this doesn't, seem, this doesn't seem to work for me, God. Did you make a boo-boo? Did you mean to give this to Brent? Because <laughs> it doesn't fit me. God doesn't make mistakes. Okay, I love this. Listen to this. Listen. Listen to 1 Corinthians 12, 18. But now God, but now God has set the members, each one of them. Say each one of them. Again, not some of us. God doesn't pick a, you know, the 90 or 10% and say, the rest of you guys are on your own. The 10%, I'm going to give you all good gifts. The rest of you all, good luck trying to figure it out. No, no. God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. So God gifted you, God gifted you and put you in the body not to please not to please you. I'm sorry it hurt your feelings. I mean, I know it's your birthday and everything. But God didn't give you that gift to please you. He gave that gift to please himself. For his purpose. For his honor. And for his glory. So you got the gift that he wanted you to have so you could bring glory to his name. We got, we got to get over this selfish mess we're in. We got to get over, yeah, but I matter, and I got rights, and I got privileges, and God, God's my genie in my bottle, God's my soda machine, and I put my quarter in, and he's got to deliver. Really? Really? Let me just tell you, he's God, and you're not. He made you and created you. Then he gives you the privilege of coming into his family and being born again and receiving the Holy Spirit. And you get the privilege of serving him the rest of your life and then celebrating with him for all eternity. Shoot that thing. Get the right perspective. It's all about him and it's not about us. Well, real quick, real quick. Let's just look. And Wednesday night I didn't say anything. This is not a teaching on gifts. But, but Paul does a good job in Romans chapter 12 to give us a short list. And he teaches us something that's very important. Then we'll be done. Okay, first off, in Romans 12, 6, this is the second part, okay, here's what he says. So if God, if God has given you the ability to prophesy. Now, now again, I personally believe, I, and I think most New Testament guys nowadays, most, most denominations would agree, the word prophecy here is not foretelling. You know, Daniel could foretell, Isaiah could foretell, you know, Elijah could foretell, Elisha could foretell. Okay, rather than being foretelling, more in the age of grace is probably foretelling, proclaiming the truth, proclaiming the gospel. Okay, I think I think that's pretty accurate. All right, so if God has given you the ability to prophesy, what should you do? Okay, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. So if God's given you the gift to, to foretell or foretell, all right, do it with all the faith God's given you. And, that, and that's what he says over and over again about the gifts. Look at verse 7. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. Serve them. You're going to hear this. Let me say it so you can write it down. Over and over again, you're going to hear whatever God's gift gifted you to do, just do it well. Just do it well. There's no room in the, the kingdom for shoddy workmanship. I, I hate it when, when you hear churches go, well, that's good enough for God. That's good enough. No, 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 no. No, God deserves the very best. God deserves the very best, okay? So, so you know, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. Oh, 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 if he calls you to teach, okay, well, well, teach well. 
Teach well. Um, um, oh, look, if, look at verse 8, the first part. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. Be encouraging. You know, if it's giving, then give generously. Give generously. Um, and then God said, then if, if he has given you leadership ability, okay, if he's given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. He finally says, if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Do it gladly. So God has given us gift. And, you know, one day, you know what we may do? We may come out and do a gift survey and things like that. But you're going to find it's not always true. Why do I have to be careful here? It's not always true. But you may find inclinations in your heart. Uh, Rick Warren, um, if you don't get on the Internet, look up Shape. And he has a, a formula there, how God gifts us and forms what gifts we get. Okay? But, but a lot of times... The giftness fits our natural personality. Sometimes it's the exact opposite, I'll be honest with you. You know, sometimes it is the exact opposite. But sometimes it matches our personality. But whatever we do, we're to do it well. Now, last thing I want to bring out to you is this. As important as the gift is, it only gains significance when we use it well for the king. Okay? As significant as the gift is, it only gains significance as we use it well for the kingdom of God. Um, this, you probably had this happen to you. Um, you know, you give moms. You know, I, what do you give moms now? I, I don't know. Back, back when I was a kid, you gave them handkerchiefs. What else can you get for a fortune, you know? And that, that was a lot of money back in those days. And so, so you give your mom this embroidered handkerchief, you know, it's in a little sleeve or a little box, and they go, oh, Wayne, thank you so much for the handkerchief. And so then what moms do, my mom did, is that you open the drawer in her chest of drawers, and you put it in there. You slide it in, you put it in the drawer. You close the drawer. And then next year, you get another handkerchief, okay? Oh, that's such a nice handkerchief. And you put it in the drawer, okay? Then when mama dies, you go into the drawer, and what do you find? All, all the handkerchiefs, all the gifts. She was saving them for another time, in another place. God didn't gift you for you to put your gift in the drawer. And, and, you know, God didn't gift you and say, well, there's an age limit. When you get to be whatever age it is, you can quit using your gift. God didn't say, well, I know you're busy. You, you know what? You're just too busy. So we're going we're gonna to gift exempt you. Keep the gift, but I understand you can put it in the drawer and use it, you know, maybe later on in your life when you're not quite so busy. No, no. God is a priority. Okay? And so we, so he gives us this gift on, on the idea that he gives the gift for us to use. And I'm going to tell you something. Okay? There's no higher privilege. There's nothing more important on this earth than using what God has given you for his honor and for his glory and for his kingdom. So happy birthday. Happy birthday. I'm looking, I know most everybody in this room, I'm looking at most everybody in this room, and I know you had a day. And this is what happened on your birthday. Happy birthday. You know, you got these great gifts, you know. Everybody got the first two. Everybody that's been born again has got the Holy Spirit. Everybody's been born again has got eternal life. And then we get individual gifts. And God knows what gift. And every one of them good. Don't be jealous and go, I wish I had his gift. No, you don't. Because God knew you and gifted you according to how he made you. And if you took Brent's gift and tried to use it and gave it to David, it wouldn't work. That leads to trouble. Okay? So be grateful and thankful for the gift. But the greatest gift.
course, is eternal life and salvation. And perhaps you're watching on, on Facebook today, perhaps you're listening on the radio, or maybe in this room, there is someone who has never received the gift of eternal life. You've never come to a point in your life when you've admitted you know, that you have sinned against God, that, that you are willing to believe that Jesus died for you, as I've talked about today, that the payment for sin was death, but then the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Perhaps you never come to a point where you're willing to confess, you're willing to repent, stop going this way, stop going towards your sin, yourself, and choosing to follow Jesus. Perhaps you've never reached that point. Well, Brother Brent's going to be standing down front, and today, if you're willing to do that in this room, if you're willing to do that, we would love to share with you and walk you through that and, and have the privilege of having a birthday party started in heaven today. That'd be awesome. Now, now, maybe you're on Facebook, and you can do it right there in your living room. You can do it right there in your living room. You can ask Jesus to forgive your sins, believing that he died for you, and choose to follow him. I hope you'll call the church office and let us know so we can celebrate with you. But you can do that right there where you are. You can do it in the North parking lot right where you are. God wants to throw a party on your behalf. Why? Oh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for the privilege that was mine to share these truths today. I'm glad we serve a God who loves to throw a party. That there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than anything else. Thank you for that. So we want to pray, Lord, that your name would be made big. We want to pray, Father, that there might be someone here today who wants to trust Jesus Christ, to have a party thrown in their honor in a place called heaven. Give them the faith to believe what your word says about that. And help all of us, Father, all of us to understand the great gift that's been given us. And then help us to serve you faithfully every day. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen. Brother Brent's going to be standing down front. Let's stand to our feet as we sing.